1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Donovan Edwards, who scored the touchdown in the first possession, back in the game, and he's loose again. Edwards off and running. Welcome back, Donovan Edwards. 46 yards. Hein Bredesen. He's got it. Michigan barrels in. And the maize and blue on the brink of ending a championship drought. Inside the 30-yard line. There's Connor. Got a block. Connor down the sideline. All the way for a touchdown. 29 yards for James Connor. And the Cardinals an extra point from tying it up. These third down conversions are going to be massive. Ritter picked off. Intercepted by Alante Taylor. And Taylor gets to the 26-yard line. These kind of decisions are never easy, particularly when you look at the personal side of things. It's very painful when you have to make a change like this. There's a professional side of it and there's a personal side of it. So the personal side of it, we look at someone like Coach Smith, you know, similar to Mike Smith, similar to Dan Quinn. This is an extraordinary human being coming from an extraordinary family. However, at some point in time, we have to separate our personal respect, affection for the head coach in this case versus results. On third and goal, Stafford pressured, corner of the end zone, Cubs got it for the touchdown! From the 32. Goff climbs it, Goff launches, got a man, end zone, touchdown! Dial 602-260-1060, that's 602-260-1060, or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Tuesday, January 9th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7, Michigan's domination. How surprised were you? Jim Harbaugh, is this the right time for him to leave for the NFL? The Cardinals, last call for comments from the 2023 season, which thankfully is over. Uh, NFL Black Monday, Uh, who else should be hitting the unemployment list, whether it be a head coach and general manager? Meanwhile, Super NFL Wild Card Round, which game are you most looking forward to? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 1015 will have the uh, CFP Championship Game Analysis with Pete Futak, editor and publisher of collegefootballnews.com. 1030 Interactive Action at 602-260-1060 plus the bottom line. And uh, time pending, we'll have some local roundup in there. The Suns got drilled again last night. People are going to believe me at some point. They're not good. Uh, In the final segment, we'll have the National Roundup. On to the pipeline we go.
Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And uh, today's question is, rank your level of surprise that Michigan dominated Washington. We've given you the options of high, moderate, or low. And Corey is here and has the early returns. Leading right now, we have high at 50% there, moderate at 25%, and low at 25% as well. KDUS1060.com. Michigan dominated from start start to finish, and they really just physically destroyed Washington in that game last night. Today's Twitter poll question, is it time for Jim Harbaugh to leave for the NFL? And once again, Corey has the early returns. Looking over here, we got yes, just barely ahead at 57.9%. No, at 42.1%. KDUS AM 1060 on X. I'm surprised. I thought that'd be much higher than uh, than that number there. Meanwhile, the NFL community seems to believe that Harbaugh leaving for the NFL is really a foregone conclusion. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Cardinals offseason is underway, which is excellent for those who actually had to watch them play 17 games in every snap of the 2023 season. Raising my hand at this point, any remaining Cardinals comments from the 2023 4-13 season our strongly encouraged discussion. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, NFL Black Monday was tame compared to recent seasons. Ron Rivera and Arthur Smith were the lone coaches fired over the last two days. But there will be, uh, I'm predicting, others coming soon, including maybe a playoff team or two that underachieve in the postseason. So who's at least one other coach who should be fired? Meanwhile, the NFL Super Wild Card round is filled with storylines, including Matthew Stafford versus Jared Goff, Tyreek Hill versus the Chiefs, and Mike McCarthy facing the Packers. Those are just some of the, uh, I think those are the headlines as far as the storylines go, but should be an exciting wild card weekend. I mentioned yesterday I'm definitely looking the Super Wild Card weekend. I'm definitely looking forward to this. So which NFL Super Wild Card round game are you most looking forward to? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show, all the way back to yesterday? That's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or x slash twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. I'm told that's how this is supposed to work. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by uh, Monday night Michigan-Washington analysis and a little around college football with Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be uh, phone call time, general discussion. If you want to jump aboard at that point, 602-260-1060, plus some bottom line, time pending, uh, which will include uh, some Suns and Clippers from last night, another pathetic defensive performance, or really a a complete no-show defensive performance from the Suns last night. I realize the Clippers threw in a bunch of threes, but it's amazing. Uh, you know, I watched the highlight package. I did not watch the game, but I watched the highlight package. It's unbelievable 
how many uncontested shots the Clippers actually got in that game last night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. You're home with the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Michigan dominated Washington last night to win the CFP championship game. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by longtime Sports Zone guest Pete Futak, editor and publisher of collegefootballnews.com. And Pete, uh, let's start with Michigan. They did not run the ball as effectively this season as they had the last couple of years, but last night, 305 yards rushing, as it turns out. Why was Michigan so dominant running the ball last night? Uh, they're better than Washington. Uh, it, look, the <laughs> offensive line, you know, has been great all year. And that's everyone else. Oh, what happened? You know, why did Michigan get so good so fast? I mean, beyond the controversy – the biggest key is over the last three years, they really locked down that offensive front where it became a powerhouse. They were able to use the transfer portal to get that one last missing piece or two each year for like each of the last three years. And all of a sudden, the, the offensive line just became something truly special. So uh, it, it was that good. Washington won the Joe Moore Award for the having the best offensive line in the country. Uh, and Michigan certainly took a little bit of offense to that, and they played like it from the start. And Washington's defense has been like this all year. I mean, it's, it's, it's got talent. It's pretty good. It's just not great. And Michigan just was able to barrel away early. And then Washington said, all right, we're going to make J.J. McCarthy throw to beat us. And Michigan's like, nah, we don't really need to. And so they just played the field position game, and then it got boring, and then Michigan wins the national championship. <laughs> Okay, and that offensive line was about Zach Zinter, who got hurt in the Ohio State-Michigan game, too. So even more yep. impressive because of that last night, right? Yep. Yeah, no, so it's just they, it's a machine. I mean, they just they found the right formula. They found the right guys. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes in college sports, it's, especially college football, you just get the teams with more talent. And Washington was good, obviously. Washington had talent. But this is, this is where the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world and the Ohio State, this is where they're just, this sport is just different. It's not like you know, NFL or, or, or pro sports where you do have, you know, some teams are obviously got more guys and better talent, but the, the overall disparity isn't that great. In, the, in college football, when you get one team that just has the right formula and the right mix, uh, that's it. And this year it was just Michigan was the team. It just was. It was just they had the right mix of uh, experience. I mean, these guys have been their third round in the college football playoff. I mean, they've been used to this. So this was not, uh, you know, totally shocking considering, again, the experience and the level that they've been able to get to after uh, building it up for so long under Harbaugh. Okay, so let's flip this to the defensive side, which was great much of the season. We wondered about the schedule, how good was the defense, and so forth, at least until the last couple of games of the regular season, and then obviously the last two weeks. 
in an era where tackling is seemingly down from the past years and far from impressive, why has Michigan become such a good tackling team? How do teams do that? I mean, that, you just said that's straight talent. I mean, that's just to be able to coach it right, that's to be able to get the right guys. And, you know, that's if you watch from Saturdays to Sundays, what's the difference? The NFL defense, the 170-pound defensive backs can tackle the 230-pound guys. And it's just that the next level skill that not a lot of players have. And that's the, that's one of the big differences between the big time teams and the okay teams is that, you know, you could, you could be tough. You could ball out a little, but you got to have defensive backs across the board that can make stops. And that's just having, that's just recruiting really, really good players. And that was the difference last night because Michigan just basically said to Washington, we're not giving you that deep shot. We'll let you ding, we'll, we'll let you hit those 10, 10 yard plays as much as you want because we'll you hit this hit those little throws we'll tackle you and then we'll bend but we won't break and sure enough there's one touchdown drive and two field goal drives so they just kind of let it dink 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 and then when they get to the red zone Michigan's been amazing all season long uh, when it came to um, just just kind of getting their back to the wall and just settling for field goals and they'll get a touchdown and then everything's okay. You know, the NFL community seems to believe that Jim Harbaugh is off to the NFL. I think it's certainly the right time for him to leave after the winning a championship. Uh, do you believe he's out of there? Not really. I mean, there's so many parts to this. I mean, are, is this going to get vacated? Are they going to – is Michigan going to be hamstrung over the next year or so? You know, it's, it's one thing to have to – uh, you know, say, okay, well, we're going to take away this national championship or something. Nobody cares. But if Harbaugh is suspended for a year, does he want to deal with that? Probably not. You know, so it's a lot depends on where that falls in. And remember when it comes to Harbaugh that even more than most coaches, they just they talk. They, it, this has happened before. They like to field offers. And unlike everyone else, they're open about it. They're like, yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to everybody. We want to hear everyone's, you know, best pitch. So I'm not a thousand percent sure that this is an absolute done deal that he's gone, but there are NFL teams that absolutely want him. There are absolutely you could, there's a place for him, whether it's the Raiders or maybe the Bears or the, uh, the Commanders. So it is a poss- it is there, but if he's not, if if you take the possible NCAA sanctions that could happen off the table, I would say it's fifty-fifty because this has happened before. They like to talk. Then he gets a little bit of an extension, and then he stays where he really loves to be there. If he leaves, is Sharon Moore the obvious successor to be the next head coach? You got to say at least he's got to be the front runner. I mean, it's it's Michigan, so you you open it up to everybody. I mean, there are just certain jobs that they can get anybody they want, short of you know Saban at this point. I mean. It, you know, if you want to get a Lane Kiffin, he, yeah, you, he would take Michigan in a heartbeat. I mean, you name you name the head coach, other than the guys who are already at the elite spots. Forget Lincoln Riley, forget you know Kirby Smart, and you're saying it's Michigan, and you are going to get your pick of anybody you want. So at the very least, Sharon Moore would be in the in at the front and center of that line. JJ McCarthy, uh, should he leave for the NFL now? I don't get it. Like I and pro scouts are just in love with the the skill set and the upside. But you saw it last night. I mean, he played cautious. And I, you could tell that Michigan's 
you could, you could just hear the coaches in his head. Just don't make the mistake. Don't force anything. We got this. Do anything you can. Just don't make a throw that isn't a thousand percent there. Uh, and it almost cost them a little bit. I mean, it, there, it had Penix hit a couple of those throws. This game changes, but uh, this is a tough year. I mean, because start with Caleb Williams and Drake May and Peck and Jaden Daniels. I mean, there's a lot of good talent out there coming out in this draft, at least up high. So if you're J.J. McCarthy and the potential is there to have, you know, be a top 10 overall pick, at least in terms of skill set, uh, I don't think he'd come out this year. And, you know, they're going back to the Harbaugh thing. I mean, he's already starting to talk about spring practice. He's already hinting that, hey, J.J., come back for another year. You know, it's so it, there's a whole lot of parts in play here right now. Okay, you know, aside from the Harbaugh and McCarthy thing, there's 44 seniors on this roster. You mentioned how they, you know, last three years they've been in the playoffs and so forth. Uh, you know, they also have a seeming, you know, without question, a much more difficult schedule next season. So how good might Michigan be in 2024? Good enough to get into the playoff. And, again, the, the goal the, – you kind of alluded to this. The goalposts change now, whereas before you have to go 13-0. and 0. You have to go 12-1 and 1 to even be in the mix for the college football playoff. Two losses and you're out. Forget it. And even if you do go 13-0, and 0, it's not guaranteed anything. But even though if Michigan did, it would get in every year. Uh, so it's, it's a different animal before. Now it's just get in the top 11. Because that twelfth is going to be the you know the cookie thrown into the group of five champion just to you know get to the twelfth spot to you know see what it can do. Uh, so you got to get into the top eleven. And if you're Michigan, no matter what, no matter who you lose, no matter who you are, your goal every year has got to be be one of those top eleven teams. And that's it. You know that that's your goal. If you can get there, you get in the tournament. Then who knows where we're going from there. Uh, obviously, you want to be in the top four going forward because you get a bye week, which was going to mean everything. Uh, but for now, if you're Michigan, if you're Ohio State, if you're Alabama, if you're Georgia, if you're one of the big guys, you're going into the season. First and foremost, you want to win a national championship, obviously, but you got to get there first. And now going forward, there is no excuse. Get in the top 11 and then see what you can do. College football uh, news discussion or college football talk discussion here with Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. <laughs> I, I needed that was not my best sentence of all time. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. Let's flip to the Washington side. Before he was, you know, he was certainly physically ailing at some point there in the second half. But before that, it seemed like he was thrown off his back foot last night, even when he wasn't rushed uh, and had some time to throw. Why was he so in, ineffective last night? Just had a rough night. And give Michigan credit for this one because they figured something out. It was kind of the thing where everyone who didn't watch Washington all year, anyone who didn't on the East Coast who didn't stay up till 2 a.m. to watch the Stanford game or the Arizona State game or didn't have the Pac-12 network, you know, Penix had those games. It's not like he was coming out there and winging it. He led the nation in passing, but it's not like he came out and hit 75% of his passes for 400 yards every game out. He had a couple games, a bunch of games where – he, he was just off. He just didn't have, you know, he, he, he hit enough big plays to overcome the other parts. But he was not exactly consistent. And tech, the, the, the book on Penix in this Kalen DeBoer offense was just get to the backfield. Get just disrupted. You're not going to get a sack because Washington's style of play and the offensive line, they only gave up one sack last night. They just, that line just doesn't give up sacks. 
But if you pressure him, he's smart enough and good enough where he can get the ball out of his hands uh, quickly and make a, make some sort of a play. Uh, but when they really kill you is that when he gets time on those deep shots. And what was he, like 0 for 6 in the, going into the fourth quarter on the, mm-hmm. the throws of 20 yards or more? It just He just wasn't quite on. Texas figured that out. Texas was able to get to him, but he was able to move well enough where he was able to make those deep shots happen. Michigan, like I said, figured something out. They they, they didn't rush everybody, but they had some pretty neat timed designs where they would send guys from different areas just enough where from the outside where he couldn't get out of the way, where Texas was able to collapse from the inside and Penix could sidestep everything and make something happen. Michigan was coming from the outside with the speed guy where Penix, he could elude it or get rid of it fast enough, but he didn't have the time to really set his feet in fire. And that just made those couple plays where he did have those moments that much more glaring because he just couldn't, you know, make those things happen, especially on that one fourth down to a Tuesday. Running back Dylan Johnson got injured in the first play, got injured again in the, his first carry. In fact, last night, and it was not really a running threat the rest of the game, and didn't have anybody else. How much did that alter uh, Washington's offensive approach? Do you think it didn't help? I mean, you're not running against Michigan anyway. Uh, and if you don't have any sort of physical pound up front, uh, it's, it, it was going to have to be Penix or, or Penix or nothing. And look, it, the, the final score in history is going to be, you know, read 31-13. It was, a, you know, the sixth straight college football playoff blow up. But that was, they were still driving. I mean, it was still 17-10, you know, late in the third. I mean, they were still just, they were still close in this thing. This thing wasn't uh, out of reach for the Huskies. They, and even when they were down by two touchdowns, they were still they were driving with four and a half minutes to go. You get that touchdown and you come up with a stop and game on. So and that's where Washington had lived all year where they would come come from behind late and win those close games. So it was still it was still happening. They still found a way to do it even without Dylan Johnson. They just needed Penix and that offense to be just a little bit better. Uh, Penix was like you said, he was he was beaten up. He was hurt and coming off the field. He did what he could, threw it fifty one times. But give, I mean, that's the number one defense in the country. I mean, that's Michigan's D. I mean, that's, you can't really blame Penix for, for last night and not being amazing because he was very good. He just, he just needed to hit a couple more throws, and that might have been a little bit different at the end. Washington's also losing plenty of players off to the Big Ten. How good will the Huskies be next season? You know, this is going to be crazy going forward because they are good, but they do play. They, I think at Washington, I, mean, I think at Michigan in Seattle, I think it's like October 8th or something. Uh, but they get they have to go to Penn State. They got to go to Oregon. They get used to, I mean, it's, these schedules are going to be crazy. I mean, these there's no ducking teams now. I mean, there's this is going to, these new conferences of the Big Ten and uh, especially SEC uh, going forward, it's going to be a weekly grind. So, they're still going to be good because that Kalen DeBoer offense is is just that strong. It was great at Florida, at Fresno State. It was great from the start at Washington. It's going to still work. They're still going to get NFL caliber receivers there. You're still going to get guys who are going to want to run that offense. Uh, so it's still they're still going to be a very 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 dangerous team. But you don't have years like this twice where they you know eight of their last ten games were decided by eight points or fewer. And the two that weren't, the USC game and the Stanford game, those were both really close late. 
so it was you don't get those games where you win every tight game. So this was a special team, a special season for them, and it was great. They just came up short. Talking with Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. Okay, beyond the CFP, uh, the college bowl system, does it need to be altered? And if so, how would you do it? Other than the college football playoff games, uh, you know, does it need to be addressed in some shape or form? No, well, to, to live in the land of the real, you can't. Because as soon as you start getting gimmicky with it, you have the Pro Bowl and nobody's that was just stupid. You know, the pro, you know, who cares about these, the Pro Bowl skills challenge? I mean, you can't alter it. So, and you can't really change the timing of stuff because you're going to have coaches who are going to leave. You're going to have players who are going to want to opt out because why am I playing in this thing? So going forward, you're going to have an interesting mix. And you're going to have, you know, you're going to have the teams like it's going to be Ohio versus Utah State where you're not going to have guys who are going to necessarily transfer and you're not going to have guys who are going to opt out to the NFL. And those are going to be a little bit representative of the, the season. So that, those are going to be your, your normal mid-December bowl games. And then there's going to be kind of an ugly middle level where you're going to have the, you know, the, the teams, the, the power four teams who are ranked somewhere between you know, 15 and 25, and they're going to lose all their guys. They're going to have the opt-outs. They're going to have the transfers. And they're just going to be fun exhibitions, kind of like the bowls have become now. But I think what's being underplayed is just how massive the new college football playoff is going to be. It just – as is, these bowl games are exhibitions and they sort of stink, but people watch them. Now, if you're talking from December, and from the, first of all, the conference championships are going to take on a whole new meaning because as of now, like look at this year, like Iowa didn't have a shot, but if Iowa had pulled off the upset over Michigan, it's in the CFP. You know, if Oklahoma State had pulled off the upset over Texas, it's in the college football playoff. So now – you're going to see these conference championships turn into somewhat like like first-round playoff games because the winners of those are going to be automatically in. So starting from the first week of December on through now for a solid month, college football playoff is going to take over sports. I mean, maybe not the NFL because the NFL is the NFL, but it's going to make a dent because it is going to be a massive, massive cultural thing that is going to take over December. You mentioned uh, we talked about Washington's schedule and how you know in the SEC and the Big Ten are they're going to have you know it's a murderer's row for some of these teams. Do you think that's actually good for the sport? Does the regular season schedule increasing in, in difficulty? Oh, by yeah, it, it has to because there is, is there there's a rhythm to the season. I get why you want to play Central Cream Puff Tech, and I get why you need to build up the. Uh, the wins. I mean, look at the 2020 season where you had uh, all SEC schedules. And I think I think the stat was something crazy that out of the 14 SEC teams in 2020, I think some, I could have this wrong. I think only like five had a winning record or didn't have losing records. I mean, because they all beat up on each other. So mm-hmm. if you're a you know if you're a Mississippi State, you, you, people get fired when you go four and eight, and you can't play Alabama, then LSU, then Texas A&M, and then Texas, and you, you've got to have some teams in there. But the more good games, the more big games, the better. And if you're looking at these schedules, it's like, oh, my, dear Lord. I mean, look at look what Texas has to do. Look what Oklahoma's going to get. I mean, you're going to see some real nasty schedules going forward, and it's going to make the sport a lot more fun. 
Okay, so last up, uh, we're into the off season now, kind of unofficially. I guess we you know, still have like a, I guess like a twenty-four hour window, and we really move on. Uh, it's just starting next year. So, what are some off season storylines that we should look forward to? I would be shocked if it isn't quiet. I mean, after all the tumultuous stuff of the last year, with all the, the conference realignment. I don't think we're going to see anything massive. I think you're going to see some sort of a deal where, you know, the Pac-12 is going to maybe revive itself in some way in brand name with the Mountain West, maybe, or something like that. But you're not going to see, I mean, you're not going to have the seismic change where, you know, gosh, Oregon, all of a sudden, Oregon and Washington went from, oh, we're Pac-12 mainstays to one bad presentation later, they're in the Big Ten. And you're just not going to have these massively dramatic things. You are going to see a bunch of really boring stuff like legislation on the transfer portal and, you know, trying to figure out timings of things. So nobody really cares. As soon as the ball gets kicked off, everyone's happy. (laughs) I can't wait till the ball is kicked off again. All right. Pete, always good talking to you. We appreciate it. We always appreciate you having on, coming on. So especially today, I'm sure you're in hot demand after uh, the time of the year and so forth. So thanks for joining us. You have a good one. Pete, you too. Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. And as I mentioned, he's been on many years, and he's the man uh, in college football. And uh, once again, uh, you know, kudos to Kaler for uh, you know, getting him on today. I mean, this is a, you know the timing of him on today is perfect. So... That was great. So I appreciate that from all the way around there. Next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060, and also today's bottom line. And time pending, we'll get to some local roundup stuff. Not much. Uh, Probably some Suns, because they allegedly played a game last night in Los Angeles against the Clippers, and this is hard to believe, but last night might have been the worst defensive performance for the Suns this season. It's hard to believe because they're bad defensively every game. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. And before we get to a couple of things here that we usually do in this segment, let's get to some breaking news from the NFL. Ray Bull is no longer the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Now, I've seen two quick things here, just a little text alert headlines that he's been fired. And then the next one, next one I see that uh, they've agreed to part ways. So whatever, however they want to do the language there, he's no longer the head coach. Yeah, he never coached in New England, but he obviously played for New England. And if Belichick leaves New England... I'm guessing that people will immediately connect Vrabel to New England. Uh, so we'll see what happens with him. He's a really good coach. I think the uh, Titans are screwing up if they actually did fire them, fire him. And uh, maybe uh, my best guess, and this is strictly a guess, is that he wanted personnel uh, power. You know, they fired their general manager at the end of last year, and part of that was justified. Part of it is Vrabel supposedly wanted a little more in power in the personnel uh, matters. So I'm just guessing that that's all. That's, at some point, that all has to factored in, factor in as to why he's uh, no longer the head coach of the Titans. 
All right, in addition to the local roundup, if you want to get in right now, phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion if you want to jump aboard. Right uh, now, let's get to some bottom line answers from today's pipeline. And we start with the poll question. Uh, the first poll question at kdus1060.com. Today's question is, rank your level of surprise that Michigan dominated Washington. High, moderate, or low are your choices. And the bottom line is I was moderately surprised that Michigan dominated that much, but I've actually thought for weeks, and really since November, that Michigan's the best team in college football because they have 11 really good, at least 11, very good defensive players. It seems like they play like 15 or 16 of those guys and rotate them, but they're really good on defense. You know, their offense was okay. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, they've been, you know, last night uh, they were much better last night than they have been for the majority of the season running the ball. And uh, you know, they, they rushed for over 300 yards in that game. And uh, that's, uh, you know, what we kind of had seen more in the past, actually, than as opposed to this year with Michigan. So there's that. So the Twitter poll question, the X poll question, combination thereof, or however we're supposed to praise this these days, uh, is it uh, the right time for Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan? The bottom line is I actually wrote this question before last night's game, uh, but now after the championship game performance, I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt. I know Pete, uh, the last segment, has some doubt, but I think that uh, if he's offered the right job, and I don't see uh, why he wouldn't leave for the NFL now. I would be very surprised, actually, I'll put it that way, uh, if he actually stays with Michigan and returns next season. Meanwhile, any remaining Cardinals comments from the 2023-4-12 season are strongly encouraged discussion. The bottom line here for me is that I'm very happy that I don't have to watch any more of the 2023 Cardinals team. It was, without a doubt, the least talented Cardinals team since I started watching them play every, uh, every game and really watched every play from every game since basically the 2002 season. Uh, they were really bad, and we knew they were going to be really bad. The worst thing is for the Cardinals, they actually won four games, and uh, which was actually lower than what the season win total was uh, before the season started, which was five and a half in the summer and went down to four and a half by before week one. But they actually uh, didn't even hit expectations as far as the uh, season win totals from casinos. But uh, you think the one thing that kind of, uh, you know, they're drafting fourth uh, when they win four games. The one thing that unfortunately worked against the Cardinals for the draft is that there were a lot of really bad teams in the NFL, obviously, this year, more than I think I've ever seen before. And you have you go four and 13 and you're only drafting fourth in the NFL draft and that's unfortunate because they're not going to have a chance to get Caleb Williams. And if they were drafting, say, first, I don't think they would be so publicly in support of one Kyler Murray. Meanwhile, also in the uh, pipeline today, I just mentioned Vrabel's gone. So who's at least one other coach that uh, should be fired or not back with their uh, current team or recent team? I think the bottom line, to me, I think the Jags should move on for Doug Peterson, who I think has been an overrated head coach anyway. Trevor Lawrence, before he was injured, did not take uh, steps forward. In fact, he took some steps back this season. Then Peterson is this offensive guru guy. He fired a bunch of defensive assistants yesterday, by the way. 
Uh, but Peterson, during his game day NFL head coaching career, I think has been questionable at best. Many times I've watched him in uh, during games and wondered, what the hell is he thinking here? Meanwhile, final question today from the pipeline. Which NFL super wildcard round game are you most looking forward to? And to repeat, which I'm going to be repeating all week long, I talked about it yesterday. I talked about it already once today, and I'm going to talk about it right now. And we will do so Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I'm very much looking forward to this super wildcard round. Last year was kind of a dud, but this year these games are really good. Lots of good storylines, but to me the game I'm most looking forward to, Rams at the Lions. Uh, obviously you have the Stafford and uh, Jared Goff matchup. And, uh, you know, the Lions are kind of the, uh, I don't think they're necessarily the flavor of the month. I think they've been the flavor of the last four or five months. And uh, I think the Rams right now are playing better. So I'm on the Rams in that game. In case you missed it last week, the last couple of weeks, I've been hoping this is going to be the matchup. Hopefully I'm right because I hate to be wrong. All right. There we go. We are quickly the Suns. They were dominated by the Clippers for the second time in less than a week last night. They allowed 30 or more points in every quarter last night. They lost 138 to 111. The Clippers shot 62% from the field, including 52% from behind the arc. And most of that was against Suns defense, which was just not even in the ballpark. They weren't even there. I understand, you know, you hit a lot of shots. They hit a lot of open threes, but there were open threes. And it's hard to say this because the Suns' defense has been pathetic pretty close to every game this year. Last night might have been the worst defense that the Suns have played this season. Certainly was statistically. Also, the Suns, once again, got destroyed on the boards. 44-25 to was the rebounding edge. The Clippers had a 62-42 edge in second-chance points. Further evidence about the Suns' off of defense there. The X factor is that all five Clippers starters finished with at least 10 points. The Suns staying in Los Angeles through Thursday. They're not going to come back. I guess they're going to play golf. Maybe they should practice some defense. What they really need to do is get players that can actually guard because I don't think their current roster has too many players that are just physically capable of guarding the opponent. But anyway, the Suns staying in Los Angeles through Thursday because they play the... uh, Recently slumping and apparently dysfunctional Lakers on Thursday night. So we'll see how that goes. The Suns, after last night's loss, are now ninth in the Western Conference with a 19-18 and overall record. All right, next segment, we'll wrap up the sports zone with the National Roundup. Uh, we'll start that with a closing line from last night's college football playoff, which uh, we've talked about for the last few days. Uh, had been changing the total side and the total of the number had been changing like you know big time. Uh, you know standalone game, national championship game. You figured that was going to happen. So we'll go with uh, let you know what the closing line was as far as the consensus numbers in the state of Nevada for that game last night. Then we'll get to whatever else we can in the final segment of today's spectacular one-hour radio extravaganza. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7.
All right, welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, we had Michigan and Washington CFP championship game discussion and analysis and more, some, more college football talk with Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. On Wednesday, we'll have our uh, our final fantasy football segment of the season. Going to do a couple of different things with John McKechnie from rotowire.com. We'll certainly review the 2023 regular season, who were the league winners for teams and what individuals helped uh, you know, fantasy players you know, claim championships. Also, there are plenty of uh, fantasy football uh, you know, drafts and you know, contests and so forth for the playoffs in just the playoffs of which I'm in. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit also with John tomorrow. That'll be in the uh, 10:15 segment. Also, sound day courtesy of ESPN, the Wolverine, uh, which is a uh, you know Michigan football and basketball website. Fox, CBS, and also the Atlanta Falcons for the Arthur Blank sound. Also, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. All right, on to the college football playoff. The final line last night, the closing line, the consensus line in the state of Nevada was that Michigan went off at five-and-a-half point favorites, including five-and-a-half at Circa, five-and-a-half at uh, the Westgate, two of the larger volume sports books in the state of Nevada, also five-and-a-half at Caesars. Uh, so in pretty much, you know, like I said, it was a consensus, but those are you know, high volume, high handle sports books uh, and uh, five and a half in all those spots. Meanwhile, the total went off at 55 and a half, but there were some 56 and a halves. Uh, and uh, you know, luckily, maybe not luckily, because I didn't when it was 14 to three and like before the end of the first quarter, I was concerned because you know, I mentioned for a week that I liked that game under. And uh, I got, did get the highest number. I got like three different numbers because it went, kept going higher than I thought. But uh, anyway, you know, there were plenty of 56s and 56 and a halfs out there last night. But really, the consensus number really was 55 and a half as far as kickoff goes. Uh, you could have gotten kind of any number that you really wanted if you were shopping around. I didn't shop around very well, but luckily. I ended up uh, winning all those bets, and uh, so long to the college football season, it ended well for me, at least financially, at least the, the end of the season. Did not have a great college football season. It was roughly uh, barely above 50%, which is not good. We include the juice. The NFL season for me has gone quite well, and knock on countertop here because this is not wood that I'm sitting at a table here, my desk. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's uh, – that's worked out pretty well, too, so, so far this season. The college football season, I'm glad it's over for a lot of reasons. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, the fact that Michigan won a championship, probably not my finest moment as a human being as far as, you know, born in Columbus, Ohio. All right, quickly, a couple other quick things from the wire, combination of from the wire, rip from the headlines. Uh, the uh, this New York Giants says we actually talked about this. We contemplated that this could happen or ex- speculated this might happen. Uh, the Giants and defensive coordinator Wink Martindale uh, have parted ways after reports for weeks that he and Brian Dable were not the best of buddies, and they, they didn't. It seems like their philosophies certainly do not mesh. So not surprising that he's out of there. Uh, Valley product Cam Jordan said he loves the Saints too much to retire, but 
Might the Saints move on from Jordan, whose difference-making production certainly dipped during the 2023 season? Meanwhile, longtime you know elite center uh, Cody Lindsley, uh, most recently with the Chargers, uh, he uh, might retire. It looks, it looks like he's going to retire because lingering heart issues, uh, which have plagued him for the last 14 months. Meanwhile, college football LSU receiver Malik Neighbors. Uh, is off to the NFL draft. Uh, there's, a, you know, I think most people believe that he's the second best receiver in the draft behind only Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, for Ohio State. The Cardinals certainly need multiple receivers, so maybe that's a possibility for them. And one thing for baseball, Valley product Cody Bellinger, the top free agent hitter still out there on the market, uh, may not sign real soon because Scott Boris is his agent. So we'll see how that goes. All right, that's it for the uh, Sports Zone for today. We'll be back with three hours of programming tomorrow, the Sports Zone from 10 to 11, to three hours of local morning programming into the afternoon, and also the Extra Point hosted by Kayla from 11 to 1 o'clock. Once again, thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.